Welcome, everyone, to the Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shaped some of the people that you know, love, and follow. All right, what's going on, everyone? Hope you're having a great Monday. I went to the Lockhart Barbecue Festival yesterday. Oh, it was so good. Like all like 50 of the best barbecues all over Texas. It was so amazing. Were you a barbecue fan, Evan? Oh, 100%. All right. Absolutely. That sounds delightful. It was. It was quite delightful. And again, I'm from Kansas City, as most of you know. So I'm not saying that Texas barbecue is like superior by any means, but there's a lot of really good barbecue in Texas. My yeah. friends have disowned me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> when I try to talk, when I try to talk it up. So, all right, everyone, we are going to talk about, and Evan, I'll have you introduce yourself. I have a guest maybe like once a month on the LinkedIn lives here. So it's good to have you. Um, you know, Evan and I were talking about, uh, you know, data and, you know, like really the impact of it. And I was really excited to pick up this conversation with him because as we're going into 2024 planning, hopefully most of you are at like some point of it. You're probably all behind, which, you know, I know how that feels. The concept of data and where it fits is many times underappreciated and not an area of focus, even though we know that many times it's actually the root cause of why we can't drive revenue efficiencies or improve our processes in real time. So really excited to talk about three ways data can help you to drive revenue and how to measure the impact. If you are a rep, if you're an individual contributor, this is going to be just as tactical and applicable to you. Because I cannot tell you for me, you know, when I think about my sales performance early in my career, my manager didn't have to tell me to track things. I tracked them so I could get better at them, right? It's like, you know, an NFL quarterback doesn't go and is like, yeah, no, it's fine. Don't, I don't want to watch any game film. I don't want to get better. Um, I'm not going to go look at my stats and what my QBR was. I'll just do better next time. Like there is no professional that improves their performance by winging it and not knowing the data. How long does it take me to get the pass out? Does it take me 2.8 seconds or 3.4 seconds? Because that's the difference between getting sacked and completing a 25-yard pass. And so for everyone out there, if you are on the front lines, this is just as much for you because you have the ability to look at your own data and improve your own performance. So that's my high horse. Evan, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. And thanks for inviting me here. So obviously, Evan Nelson, VP of Customer Experience here at Cognizant. Uh, my role, uh, I cover customer support, customer onboarding, customer success, professional services. So a lot of customer-facing business units. And I was really excited when uh, you invited me here because I use data every single day to make decisions about the business. And in working with our sales organization, you know, we have to be monitoring various aspects of, of the customer base, right? On my side specifically, but a lot of the things that we touch on can be replicated and are applicable to all aspects of go-to-market because it's purely looking into the specific things that you can identify to help the leading indicators impact the lagging indicators. So super, super pumped to be here. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Um, okay, so how would you describe how most companies treat reporting and data today? Like, where do you feel like it fits on the stepchild 
you know, factor in terms of like where, where people, how they approach it um, and common challenges that obviously your clients, you know, come to you to help solve? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. It's going to vary quite a bit based on the organization. So when I think about startups, which I've worked for, data tends to be sort of not as uh, as important when you're starting to ramp the company up because you're focusing on, can I actually sell this product to people? Right. Can I actually create a market? Do I have fit? But then at, over time, you tend to see people starting to say, okay, well, how do I get better? How do I get more efficient? And that's where I think you start to see data becoming way more important. For those that are just trying to get out there and sell stuff, um, or make an impact, they're going to start looking at things, I think, down the road when they're like, okay, well, we're seeing some traction, but how do we continue that momentum? And when you get into the sort of the mid-markets, the enterprises, you know, that's on a whole different scale. I've worked with right. organizations that are laser focused and using, you know, data lakes and BI tools to get a full analysis of every single thing that's happening within their their business. But then I think that that can also be overkill to some extent. Mm -hmm. I think the short answer is for a lot of folks, data isn't important until they're it might be a little bit too late, right? They're trying to start yeah. asking questions and now they're trying to backtrack and say, well, the decisions we made yesterday, how did those actually impact today? And how do we continue to, to evolve and get better? Yeah. And I, I think if you look at the DNA of your typical CRO or sales leader, not, I mean, some are really data driven, like Mark Roberge, you know, like I know Mark really well, that dude is a you know, data everything, but he didn't come from like a traditional, you know, sales background. I think that's part of it, right? It's like, you look at sales, sales will solve everything. And then again, there, there, there comes a point where things get to where you need to fine tune. You need to, okay, is it this problem or is it this other one that kind of looks like it? If you don't even have like basic, you know, data governance or processes in place, what I find is you, you oftentimes are consistently solving the wrong problem. You look at something, you say, oh, look, our deals are getting stuck here. And so you go and you're like, you know what we needed to do is spend $500,000 on command of the message. And it's like, no, no, no. The issue was actually back here. Like that the discovery process or the way the lead was handed off is having a direct impact because I've got that, you know, data across my revenue cycle. And that's obviously as a revenue operations consulting firm, that's the type of strategic and tactical work that we do all day long is making sure you have that. And so I've got my own opinion here. What are some of the top three ways that data can proactively influence and drive revenue. You know, when you think about this conversation, because you know, a CRO or a sales leader or even a rep's got to go and ask for money here and say, hey, like, okay, yeah, it would be better if our data was a little bit better. Other than my point, which is kind of solving the wrong problems, what are some of the big ways you see it as a, a proactive revenue driver? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with how you want to use the data, right? What is What am I actually trying to get out of this? And I think there's three really important facets of every business that if investigated with the right lens, the right microscope can be a game changer. So, you know, we mentioned the, the leading versus lagging indicators. I think number one is where do you win and lose? Like looking at win rates and close one and close loss data can be so insightful because it opens up this massive opportunity to really understand where are reps spending time, right? Where are they wasting time? Are we selling to the right people? And that data can be a game changer as companies evolve. The flip side of that is churn analysis. Why do customers leave, right? What is the makeup of a customer that stays in comparison to a customer that leaves? And what happens if they look the same? Like what, what could have gone wrong, right? And then how do you kind of go back in time to your point around handoffs and try to tease out the specific factors yeah. that could be avoided in the future? I think the last one, and this one, a lot of companies I don't think start really thinking about until later on is segmentation. Do I have the right resources 
going after the right customer segments? Do I have the right customer segments, period, that will help me identify where the how I can maximize revenue? Where are the highest ACVs? Where are the best deal cycles? Uh, where are the ways that I can really dig in there and then start to reshape the business? And there's a lot of stories, and I'm sure you've seen this quite a bit. Like the second you you start to deeply understand your customer base and, and really how you're going to market, and you have that really like that epiphany, it becomes game changing, right? Then you can actually build out teams that are so much more efficient because they're they're focusing on good fit customers that should stay with you. Okay, yeah, let's let's dive deeper on on some of these because I think it's really interesting. I got a buddy of mine, Mike Hoffman. He just started a consultancy around win loss and close loss analysis just because so, so many companies are just not tracking it, you know, and like they're not as focused on it as I, you know, I think they probably, probably potentially should be. Let's talk about those data points. So, okay, I'm doing a better job now of tracking where I win, where I lose. How do you make that actionable, right? Okay. I mean, there's some like common sense type ways, but, you know, with your clients and, you know, maybe you have a story or anything you can think of around how your clients are taking that close one, close loss data tactically. And again, if you're a rep, you need to know your own close rates, your own conversion percentages. You know, you are not the mean that your company is managing you to. And so, you know, I always look at this data at the rep level and I'm like, you have to track this, you know, for your own self. But, you know, what do you see companies doing with this that really moves the needle? Yeah, I mean, I think the first step is obviously figuring out how to run a report that shows your percentage of win versus loss, right? That's that's sort of like table stakes. I think where it becomes really interesting is going a bit deeper into the data and starting to ask more questions. Okay, like what is the makeup of that particular customer from a firmographic standpoint? What is the size, the revenue, the industry? Where if I look at trends and I start to say, okay, where are we winning more? That's where things start to become really impactful. It's not just saying, okay, we win 50% of our deals. It's then taking one step forward and saying, okay, well, we win 50% of our deals that look like this type of customer. We lose 50% of our deals that look like this type of customer. And then you can shift your focus. And I'll give you a really good story. I won't name the organization, uh, but I used to work for them. One of the challenges that we had is we had this, this pretty sizable sales team. And we were just having a one size fits all. Every single inbound lead was the same to us. Yeah. We have we were going out to every single customer we possibly could. And what we realized is we were spending time with lower fit, lower LTV accounts. And what we decided to do is when we started digging into the ones that really like we won, they took longer to win, they have higher ACVs, we basically reshaped our whole sales order. We then focused on, oh my gosh, these are the ones for us. So I think win loss actually opens up true ICP analysis. It's not just where am I winning, where am I losing? It's what are the common traits of those? Is it persona? Is it industry? Is it going to be um, deal cycle? Could it be seniority? Am I talking to the right people? Am I above that particular power curve? And there's so much insight that you can extract from it if you're willing to ask the deeper questions. Like for us at Cognizant, we, we, had a, we were trying to figure out what, which region are we best in. So we did win-loss by region, which gave us this really insightful look into where we're actually deploying resources. And we reshifted some of those so that we could focus on the regions that were more profitable for us. Yeah, I love that. And I think, look, for a lot of people hearing you, they're like, yeah, that's what we probably do today anyway, you know, which is like everyone gets the same experience. Everyone gets the same treatment. There's a whole, you know, I can talk about that for a long time. And I think the closed loss analysis is probably... I, I think the biggest gap, right? Hey, if I get my commission paid on on marking a deal close one, I'm going to make sure I mark that bad boy close one. And, you know, it's correct. You know, what I see a lot is the close loss analysis. People, maybe they don't want to see it. Maybe they're like, oh, do I want to know this? 
Am I too nervous to know it? And and then also they don't they get one person's opinion. So going back to yeah. quality of data, a lot of times I see the closed lost analysis it can't drive the impact people want it to because they're not tracking enough and it's not verifiable. You know, reps like, well, we lost it because of the competition or this or that. It's like, well, no, actually you lost it because of this reason, you know? And so there's like the firmographics that you can look at and see best fit. And then I think there's also a lot of value in getting that, the reasoning behind why we're losing. So then again, you, you might think that it's because of X. So you go and solve for better, you know, call it proposal building because you think you're losing there. But the reality is uh, you're not competitively differentiated. And so you got to the finals, they pick someone else because of ABC, you're not tracking that accurately. And so then again, you're going back to solving a problem that wasn't the actual problem. You know, so on just, that point, close loss is so big. It, it is, but there are some ways you can sort of extract additional data points. So as an example, we started looking into our closed loss data on the new business side by evaluation. Okay, did they actually have a free trial or did they just buy based on a sample of data? And from that, we started to recognize that there was a bit of a some fine tuning that needed to happen in the evaluation cycle of our sales process that actually allowed us to influence that a bit more. Now, that wasn't one that we, we could really easily identify without, again, being really curious about like what are the specific things that we could look at. But it did uncover not only a reason for churn, but a potential reason why we weren't winning because we weren't running a really structured and well-orchestrated evaluation process right. across the board. And so we had some reps doing amazing jobs, closing big deals with a really long, full-on white hand, white, white glove approach to uh, an eval. And then you went down market and we saw, well, there was none. There was no right, evaluation. Exactly. There was no nurturing of the relationship. So you can sort of take that and say, okay, here's a, here's a leading thing that I can do. Here's a factor I could say, okay, is evaluation uh, streamlined or not? I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think, you know, and, and being able again to have it at the rep level yeah. allows us to say, Hey, what are these people doing? And again, if you're a rep, you should be looking and saying, Hey, what are these people doing? So I can go borrow their best practices, right? If I see someone and their close rate, you know, their conversion percent from, you know, step four to step five or whatever is X, I'm going to go be like, Hey, what are you doing here? And yeah, maybe it is more work. I don't know. Maybe it's less work. Maybe they're just doing or saying something differently. I don't know. But I do feel like there's, Reps also have to just do a lot of this taking it into their own hands to make sure that their data is good so they can improve, you know, yeah, for assuming sure. that's, you know, a top priority. So, and you've touched on this a little bit, territory management or, you know, are we fishing in the right pond? You know, how often are you seeing customers look at that data? Not very often. I think yeah. when you're dealing with other SaaS companies, so our, our customers that are in sort of tech they tend to have an idea around territories, an idea around segmentation. But when you kind of take a, a bigger look here and you take a step back, you can see this natural curve in the evolution of, of segmentation being an important aspect of a business and their decisions. And it typically starts when you get into like the 150 employee size, because now you're going to have ops that's supporting you, or you're going to have folks that are trying to dig in and ask a lot of questions. So I think for some of our customers, it's something that they, they think about, but I don't think they recognize the true power of having a structured segmentation or territory model, because then you can deploy assets and resources that allow you to supercharge those particular segments and you can shut down others and save costs, right? I think the big problem is not everyone wants to admit that there are, are times when you're just not ready for a certain vertical, you're just not ready for a certain size of customer. Right. And then you end up wasting a ton of time and effort. Such a so, big call out. Yeah. And I think what happens is it, there's always this mindset of like, well, we can service them. 
We can sell to them. We've sold to them before. And just not realizing that when you when you are in that first phases of scaling, it's not that you couldn't sell to them. We're not saying that. What we're saying is that it's it's probably less likely. So if you only have, you know, you've got five reps, 10 reps, 20 reps, 25 reps, like you, there's only so many areas you can focus. And you could say, okay, I can do 25% better quality outreach to the people that I know are a good fit. Or I could take that same 25% of my time and, and make all of my outreach more watered down. Yeah. What do you think is a better use of my time? I think hopefully most of you would realize it's the former and not the latter. And so I think when you are able to understand this, and again, I always tell you know, CEOs or sales leaders when they're at that phase, I say, look, we're not saying we're not going to sell to them, but we're not going to spend time and effort marketing, you know, messaging. We're not going to, and, and guess what? In six months and going back to your, you know, not very often, six months, 12 months, 24 months, product changes, boom, maybe now they're perfect. And so I think it's just, it's, we're not saying not to sell to them, just not right now is going to be the big, you know, the big focus. So what are some other, I guess, like, you know, someone who talks to hundreds of clients about this, what are some other interesting use cases? Like, what are the other ways that you're seeing either individual reps, teams, organizations, harness data, we've got kind of closed one territory mapping, you know, those type, you know, focused, keeping my focused on my ICP. What are some other ways you're seeing it? Are there any other kind of cool use cases or, or things that you think more people should be doing? I think there's a big one. And that's that's the churn analysis side. Now, I don't think a lot of companies take enough time to dig into this. And, and for me, obviously, it's it's a big part of my job to understand the customer base. But I spent six, seven months when I first joined Cognizant, just trying to get a really good understanding of why we were losing customers in a specific segment. And at the time, folks didn't really have any good answers. And I dug and we kept digging. And it took to the point where we're reading every single closed loss opportunity, listening to the calls associated with them, just trying to get a good handle on it. And it ended up being a, a big epiphany for us. We realized that, holy cow, this group that we've been selling to, there's no way to really keep them happy. It's, right. And there, there were a lot of them. And I think with a lot of our customers that are starting to understand the churn side, because it goes back to the front end of the cycle. If I think about why am I losing customers of a certain type, well, then what I can do is avoid either avoid selling to them or maybe even better, just sort of figure out when I'm it's when is the right time to sell right. to them, right? Back to your point. It's not always that I shouldn't, but it's maybe I, I, right now it's probably not the best idea. And what we found was just mind blowing, right? The amount of time and effort we were spending to close these customers the CAC to LTV was so bad. And then we said, okay, shoot. So we can make a huge decision. We can impact revenue greatly if we just go up market a little bit. And it wasn't a lot. We just said, okay, let's just go up a little bit. That, this right. is like core RCP. Uh, and I think it's a really important one. It's a tough one because you have to be comfortable with opening up that closet and looking at the skeleton and not just looking at it. You have to count its teeth, right? You have to the, you know, look at the number of bones because the only way to really extract insights there uh, are going to be from a deep, deep understanding and really just asking a ton of questions. It's not just what was the closed loss reason that someone put in. It's okay, well, what, what happened with that particular customer? And when you lose a big one that you should keep, you learn even more from that. Right. And again, it goes back to churn analysis. Churn analysis is, I think, another it is a great example because of the data. And what I mean by that is consistently what happens. And again, you, you not that your sales team would ever do this or you would never see this. Companies will try to fix the problem post-sale. They'll say, well, blah, blah, blah. So now because the only the data points that we have are just more around, we're just building out tiers of how we're going to service people and things like that. And we're not actually looking at 
okay, what was happening pre-sale that is also contributing to this outcome? And that's a big one, man, that we see all the time. It's like, no, 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 you don't actually have a, uh, like, it's not the account management. It's like, this is what's happening pre-sales. They're being told this is happening. They're being told this. They're not being, you know, the expectations aren't realistic up front. And so it's actually a sales messaging problem. And so they've got to, you know, as a part of that, they've got to go ahead and they've got to, um, you know, fix the sales piece because there's only so much you can fix post-sale. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was talking with a CCO at, at a pretty large company and she was telling us that her, within her first year, she identified that they were selling to these really small organizations and that were really just dragging their revenue, their retention rates down. And they decided not to stop selling immediately, but they let them sort of die out. And it's a horrible thing to yeah, say. Yeah. They let them churn out and they ended up turning revenue around. They ended up increasing revenue by focusing on the actual soup bot. It wasn't the enterprise. It wasn't SMB. It was like this nice little niche of mid-market that allowed them to just completely blow away their numbers. And it was based on exactly what you just said. They looked and they said, well, what, what is really going on here? And the short answer for them was, oh my gosh, this is just, these aren't right. We can't service yeah, them exactly. the way they want to be serviced. Again, this goes back to this concept of RevOps, which is like this holistic view. And that I, I think one of the bigger issues I see is that each org has their own data points that they care about. And then therefore, there's no holistic view. So you've got your CS ops and they're focused on this and what they can see, but they can't see or really get the visibility of what's happening, you know, two steps before. And you've got sales, they've got their own ops and they're just plugging away and then they can't see what's happening here. And I feel like it is for me, it's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, RevOps is a strategic part of the organization. It is not a task shop, which is what it happens in a lot of organizations as a part of it. What's next, ma'am? So if we start to kind of wrap up here, what is exciting, new? Like, what do you think as you think about, you know, we're starting to wrap up this year, looking forward into next year. You know, what do you feel like is next for data and how people are thinking about it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a couple of really exciting things. One, I mean, we can't ignore the elephant in the room. I think AI is going to play a really big role, right? In churning through a ton of customer data, just a ton of data in general, um, and helping make decisions. And we're seeing it pop up a lot in our particular space with sort of like the co-pilot sales approach, right? You have someone sort of writing emails for you and doing a lot. But when you get into the data aspect, it becomes interesting because you can use that technology to look for things that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to spot. I think that's number one, um, which is going to be exciting. I think also just it'll be interesting because it, it's going to probably create more questions than answers, but it'll at least start opening up additional avenues of inquiry. Uh, I think the next one is, it's, this is very particular in my space, right? We're going to see more and more organizations trying to understand what is the best resource to go to get data if I can't find it myself, right? I think some of that will be what's in the CRM today, but then you'll see other other avenues and other resources out there to try to bring in and tie together some of the various pieces of the customer's data, data lake for lack of a better term, but really their, their ecosystem to try to replicate or, or enhance certain aspects of it. Yeah, I, uh, both of those I can see big time. And I think too, again, where you think about what AI is good at is analysis. And, you know, we're still not there. I've seen some of the more like interesting call it data insights. They're still not quite there in terms of I can tell you that Johnny is struggling compared to his peer set on ABC, but then I can't really tell you like what to do to fix yeah. it. And I think that that's the that's where I think we'll start to get to toward the end of the year um, is these data sets where if I have the right data set, I can then track what happens when somebody is alerted to this and then the actions they took and what what that did. That's where it starts to get really interesting is the ability to not just diagnose 
what's happening because again ai is good at that already and even you know analysts are can be good at that it's what's the insights i need to actually move the needle forward and i think that's where you know those are the types of tools i'm excited about you know that actually provide the real insights to where you don't have to click 16 times and put together you know, infer a little bit of this and infer a little bit of that you can just get to it um you know because again ai can allow you to process that data and look at patterns much more accurately and rapidly so Hopefully, everyone is walking away from this like, okay, I had 500 other things on my prioritization list. I think that there's some good points here. We need to make sure we've got a strong data strategy because I'm telling you, it's usually are. And I, I can't tell you how many deals we've probably lost over the years where I'm like, you know, the problem, it's actually this like really boring foundational thing that if you don't fix it, it's going to perpetuate this. And people are like, no, like we want splash and this thing. And how do we close more? And it's like, yeah, but this is the underlying piece that's that's stopping you from getting to where you want to be. And so, you know, Evan, I think you get a chance to talk to so many customers about this and so many different unique, you know, ways that people are utilizing it. And I really just love some of the data points you brought up that I don't think people invest enough time or give enough credit to as potential big needle movers. So thank you for joining me, man. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. Thank you. We are off this week on the AI talk track. We'll be back next week. So next Thursday. Uh, but I think for most of you, yeah, I'll plan on seeing you next Monday on our little LinkedIn Live Modern Leader Show. So thanks, everyone. Thank you again, Evan. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you, everyone, again, for listening to another episode. If you are listening all the way to the end, I hope you have left a review. I hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. We'll be back next Thursday. And again, make sure to check out the Monday episodes as well, too. A lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and leave a review.